0: Izzy Gelman is a high school student here in Toronto, Canada. She has grown up surrounded by the arts. She has two older sisters, one of whom is an actress in New York and another who is a songwriter. Izzy has been acting, singing, and dancing from the time she was a little girl. Izzy's dream is to make a career in fashion. Today, she is here to talk about that goal, as well as her experiences with acting, auditioning, and how growing up as an actress impacted her life. She is also going to talk about her experiences growing up in a big city, her school life and friendships, her passion for women's rights, and perhaps some of her fear, anxieties, and excitements when it comes to growing up. Hi Izzy, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, I'm so excited.
0: So, can you start by introducing yourself and your family?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I'm Izzy. I'm 15. I live in Toronto. I have two older sisters, Lily and Hannah. Lily's 19 and Hannah's 22. That's pretty much the extent of it.
0: (laughs) So, you were surrounded by the arts from a young age. Both your sisters are artists. One is an actor and one is a songwriter. Are your parents involved in the arts at all?
1: So my dad has, like, dabbled in a bunch of instruments. He plays the guitar, um, and my mom grew up wanting to be an actor. It just didn't end up being, like, the smartest decision for her. Parents didn't really agree with it, but that's what she wanted to do. She was very big in, like, theater growing up.
0: Well, you can tell your mom that I sympathize because I, too, want to be an actor, but my parents were not always so keen on that career path for me did you ever feel any pressure to be artistically talented growing up what with both your sisters being so involved in the arts and your parents enjoying them too did you feel that there was an expectation placed on you
1: Well so my parents are both really supportive of whatever any of my sisters want to do but I think definitely like being the youngest sister there's moments where you want to like follow in your sister's footsteps but also not wanting to at all so it, it goes in and out, you know, like, especially my oldest sister's, like, an actor now, and so with her taking action classes at the same time as me, taking dance at the same time, sometimes I feel like there's a bit of pressure, but for the most part, you no, know, it was
0: fine. Out of singing, acting, and dancing, acting became your favorite. How did you start to break into the industry?
1: So I grew up, like, dancing for the most part at a very young age, and then... Like following my sister's footsteps as my sister started acting I did too we started at an agency together I actually started at the agency wanting to be like a child model but just didn't go <laughs> as planned and they were like why don't you try acting I actually like very much bombed that audition but it worked out like somehow and yeah that was kind of my first I was probably grade four or three yeah and ever since then, I've just been auditioning taking classes yeah
0: So, in addition to acting, you also danced from the time you were young. What kinds of dance did you do?
1: Everything for years. Dance was my main, like, character trait for a long (laughs) long time. I switched studios. I started off at a very, like, competitive, intense studio, and then I switched. Probably going into grade seven, I switched, and then also just it was a little like too chill for me and then I just I got injured and I stopped altogether. But yeah, dance wise I've done everything. My favorite was always like hip hop. yeah.
0: When you were dancing, did you notice any pressure to look a certain way? Any body image issues at either of your dance studios?
1: Me personally, not really, just because I feel like I was somewhat young. But I I knew it in the sense of my older sister was a very competitive dancer, and I would like hear things around the house, just like like, dancers also tend to be like, they can be bullies. Yeah. But so I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't personally experience it.
0: That's really great that you didn't experience that because I know how rampant eating disorders and body dysmorphia, unfortunately, are in the dance community. So Props to your studio for not inflicting that on you. So we're going to go back to talking about acting now. Do you have any stories from on set, from backstage of a theater production, anything regarding acting that you want to share?
1: I have a story from an audition. I don't know if that counts. Go ahead. When I I was probably 11 or 10, I auditioned for Black Mirror, like the show on Netflix. Really? And I didn't know what it was because I was I guess, too young at that time and when you're that age they send you out mostly for like little kid roles or like you usually play younger and I completely thought they sent me out for like probably two hours before it was I like I didn't know about it the day before I knew what they of. and I went into it thinking it was like a little kid show and I was so happy and it's a very serious show and I just remember like the director, I think, very like, famous director, looking at me, just being like, You can leave now. And I was like, Okay, cool. But that's life. Learn.
0: Yeah. Acting is a job, especially if you are auditioning and shooting roles. Do you think that having this job, something that you were passionate about and focused on from a young age, made you more independent?
1: I think 100%. Even just little things like missing school to mm-hmm. go to auditions, like that's something that nobody else. I especially went to a really small school as, for elementary school. Nobody else was really doing that. And, like, teachers wouldn't understand. So you just kind of have to, like, persevere. And it's being in an industry that big where you go to a room to audition and everyone looks like you and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's just as good as you and you were better, or worse, or however it is. And it's just something you're not really used to because you're told, like, to do your best. and But, like, it's something you just have to overcome and keep trying.
0: I know that growing up in Toronto also impacted your independence and your personality. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, I think just growing up in a big city altogether, I it's like a very big deal. I feel like for a little kid, you don't realize that, like little things like taking the subway, how much people take for granted. Just you get to see a big city in a way that nobody else does. Any opportunities? I remember (laughs) I went to an acting workshop when I was probably like ten, and the other youngest person was I think twenty eight. So it's like, growing up in a city where there's so many opportunities, it's different than anywhere else, I feel like.
0: So you've been attending public school in Toronto for your whole life, and for most of that time, the Toronto District School Board had an intensely strict dress code for girls. The dress code has since been revisited, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I know that dress code is a topic that you're passionate about. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I just think especially like for me personally which i'm sure we'll touch on soon fashion is such an important like rule in my life and it's a main way that people express themselves and everyone looks different that's just a fact everyone is built different everyone looks different and everyone like uses their creativity in a different way and so just the dress like as much as body image is such an issue even just the creativity factor of not being told you're not allowed to wear something but especially the body image issue why can Someone walk down the hall wearing the exact same thing as me, but not look like me, not get flagged, but I do. It just—it's really upsetting, and it's usually females and girls and from a young age. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it never will.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you expand on the body image thing, just in case anyone doesn't understand what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, for sure. I just think anyone like wearing a tank top. I remember in middle school, I was and we went to middle school together. It was very weird school, but <laughs> I was wearing overalls and a tank top under it and just because the tank top had a strap and like i like i matured pretty early with like body or whatever and because the tank top had straps i was sent to the office it wasn't even just dress code; i was sent to the office and i remember my parents were so like disgusted because i was wearing overalls so that's like mm-hmm. the most child outfit you could be wearing but if anyone else walked down the hall that looked different they nobody would think twice and it's it just doesn't make sense
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I have a specific memory of someone who was wearing a Brandy Melville tank top, which everyone wore Brandy Melville tank tops in our middle school, but she was dress-coded, even though there were at least five other girls in the hallway wearing the exact same Brandy Melville tank top. The only difference being the girl that got dress-coded had more developed breasts, so... Yeah, that's what the dress code was like. The dress code has been revisited as of a couple years ago. Can you tell us about this new dress code and what are your thoughts on the revised student dress policy?
1: Yeah, I think we're maturing as like a society and people are starting to realize it because the years go on and on. But I think at the same time, for the year we're in, like it's twenty twenty. It shouldn't even be where it is now. I think it's great that it's going on a journey and getting better. But for where we are in life, like, a girl shouldn't be told she can't show her shoulders still in school because of a male's issue that he, like, should be able to control. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great that we've come as far as we have, but it should be further.
0: hmm Now let's talk about your life at school. Do you want to sort of walk us through the greatest lessons that you've learned from friendships over the years?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, especially in the school system we're in, I've switched schools three times. I think an important lesson is just to know that your friends most likely won't stay completely the same. And that's so okay. Like as you mature, your friends do too. They might not. Things just change, and the everyone that you meet, I think, in life plays a role in your life in some way or another and it's it's so okay and you'll see your friends going through things that you might not be comfortable with yet but that's that's all a part of life like things don't happen perfect.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's connect back to the arts for a second. How do you feel about the amount of arts education in Toronto schools which for those of you who don't know is very scarce?
1: I think the amount is a hundred percent an issue but it's also like the excitement towards and the opportunities. Like, I personally, I took vocal last year as a class. I didn't take it this year just for scheduling issues, but I took it last year and I had never, really they went to open houses. I talked to people that go to my school. Nobody mentioned it. Teachers didn't talk about it. It just wasn't something that they talked about. And I took it anyways. This is the best class I've ever taken. That was so much fun. I learned so much. Most of my best friends I know from that one class, but nobody talked about it before. No, nobody at all, especially for the school I go to was very much known for the music program, but it's something they don't even talk about. And it just doesn't make sense. And I think for any art form, that's how kids express themselves. It just doesn't make sense.
0: What you said about excitement towards the arts being a huge factor in the desolate arts education in Toronto is very significant. The arts have the power to build empathy, creativity, connection and self-confidence. But the way we're being taught the arts in Toronto refuses to teach those fundamental skills. Take visual arts, for example. Whenever we have a visual arts assignment, which is very rare, you are marked based on how perfect your art is. For example, how straight is your line? How accurate is your fruit drawing? While that is important education for people who do find themselves attracted to visual art as more than a school subject, in my opinion, During school time, art should be focused on harnessing creativity more than vying for marks. Under the stress of keeping your GPA up, students will unfortunately refuse to internalize, or not refuse to internalize, but be unable to internalize, the valuable lessons of empathy and togetherness that the arts deliver. In our school drama classes, which only occur about three times a year, we learn tableaus year after year after year. I am personally lucky enough to go to an arts high school and be majoring in drama, but I feel for those people who never had the opportunity to become invested in drama. Tableaus are not going to get people excited about the exhilaration of telling stories, telling another human story, connecting to characters and to the audience. I'm going to end this tangent now, but in conclusion, I believe that the structure of arts education needs to be such that students are enthusiastic for their art classes and given the freedom to explore their own thinking, identity, and creativity. Fashion and makeup. When did you discover your passion for dressing up?
1: I think I, when I was young, I always liked dressing up, I just hated shopping. I feel like it was more of a, my mom told me to do it and I did to do it. But I liked the idea of it, but it was, at least in like middle school, you know the outfits didn't always go together. They most of the time didn't, but it was that was kind of when I started realizing that it was when everyone started having the same things, like Uggs in a Canada Goose jacket, blue lemon. That I was like, no, that's so boring. Mm-hmm. Like the era of Brandy Melville, I was like, that's that's not what I want to do. <laughs> and so I feel like from there it was kind of formed.
0: When did you realize that you wanted to make fashion a career?
1: So this is very recently. It was actually last Christmas, to be exact. I was at my friend's house, and her cousin was visiting from school. And she was to Parsons, like, school mm. designs. And I didn't even think about it as a career. And she was just talking about it and talking about living in New York. And everything just kind of clicked. And I, I, ever since, I've been so obsessed with the idea. Like, just before this, I was watching, like, college decision reaction videos. <laughs> and I just... Yeah, I from that day. And I talked to my friend's cousins all the time, ever since, just thinking about life like that because it's so exciting to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what did you want to be before you wanted to go into fashion?
1: I don't know. I remember when I was really little, I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> but I think I am probably an actor and dancer and all the things that I would experienced, but fashion wasn't really something... It's when you kind of... You experience for yourself. You don't, like, there's no extracurricular mm-hmm. for it. So, yeah, I hadn't thought about it.
0: What are you hoping to bring to the fashion world that is not there currently?
1: Now, I think I want to go into more of like the business side of it, but I think showing everyone that they can do something with it, no matter what you look like, no matter who you are, there's room for everyone, and that it's such a great form to express yourself. And I feel like a lot of people don't even realize that. like Even just the basics, that says something about you you know, in one way or another, and it's a great way to show people how you're feeling inside outside yeah
0: do you feel any pressure to sort of grow up quickly like now that you know you want to go into fashion do you feel that you must be working in the industry already so
1: very much yes and somewhat no just because I think it's a mix of excitement and pressure and it's all from me like it's from no one else Mm -hmm. but you know I find myself like every night researching schools and countries like their fashion statistics and watching different videos. And like I'm the type of person I'd rather grow up than go back, like go back to being younger. And so for sure, I think it. I, last year I remember, I started crying on the couch because I didn't find like a school within five seconds that I had the program I wanted to go into. And think about that now, like, it's so crazy. But so I think there is a bit of pressure for myself.
0: I want you to manifest for a second. What are your plans for the future?
1: Okay, this I have very mapped out. Okay, so I've either want to go to Parsons or FIT for fashion school. And Parsons has a school in Paris. So it's either New York or Paris, are my hopes. And then from there, one of the most important things to me by far is traveling. I also where like, the fashion interest stems from. But so I, I either want to take a year to travel or just travel later on. Um, and then after that, definitely get an internship of some sort at a magazine or marketing firm. What they're called. I I don't know. But just get experience and then work and be able to travel for the rest of my life. That's a big part of it, I think.
0: Now we're going to transition into talking about social media. But before we do, I just want to acknowledge that, yes, there is a difference in the audio at some points during this episode. That is because during the actual interview, some sounds got distorted due to cars in the background, noises in the background, etc., things out of our control. So I had to re-record some of my parts separately. What are your thoughts on social media in general?
1: So I think overall, it's a kind of thing that like, everyone's going to have a different opinion on. But I think it's great. I think it brings everyone together in one way or another. There's definitely negative impacts to it, but what about life doesn't have a negative impact to it? So it's a good learning lesson. It's also the kind of thing where you can practice being the best version of you without changing you. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone – seems to want to hate on people for even like this is so random but like the trisha paytas stuff that happens with charlie and dixie to me i don't know if you saw that like on tiktok mm-hmm. but it's just there's so much stupid drama that's like that isn't really social media that's like there's i feel like it's two different sides like it can bring people together in such a great way and you see like now all these big people like miley cyrus started on tiktok because it's it's such a way to communicate with people and even i was thinking about this the other day that tiktok they started a whole broadway musical like <laughs> it's such a great outlet for people and it's looked down upon I feel, by like, more than anyone like other generations but without like trying it you don't really know and because i think for everyone like it has more of a positive impact than negative and like anything else in life if you don't like it and you've tried it you don't have to stay with it it's but i think there's like too much hate towards that
0: mm-hmm. oh what about the like beauty standards on tiktok Cause I think that's like I didn't even know what hip dips were until I got on TikTok.
1: Same. Oh my God. Same. <laughs> Completely same. But yeah. I think that's the kind of thing where it's like even the trends of I like this is gonna sound wrong if I can tell it, but I all for body positivity, of course. But even trends like proving it, it's like it shouldn't be proven. You know, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a body standard t- you would have to like fight against. Because it's just exactly. who decided that there is a standard? Like, we all look different. Nobody looks the exact same unless you, like, change yourself and pay for it. But it's just, it's so dominant. It's like the girls that have that perfect, like, like they were said, if you have, like, the boobs, you don't have the ass, like, it all comes inside. And the girls that do, they're shy. Nobody is questioning it. But I think like it's also damaging to them because imagine growing up being told how gorgeous you are 24-7, I feel like that can make you so insecure. Because then the, set, like, the second someone questions it, you have nothing. Like, and mm-hmm. it's just, it especially, it's an app where, I think like most of the demographic is, like, young adults to kids. And it's just, that's so messed up. But yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like when Madison Beer, like that quote where she was like, everyone's always like, oh, you're so pretty. Like, people kind of took it out of context because what she was saying yeah. was, I want to be taken seriously for my music. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing, like, that, I mean, I don't think I have that pretty privilege that Madison Beer has, but, like, I fully empathize with her, like, she's not taken seriously out of context mm-hmm. of her looks. It's like Megan Fox. Like, she was mm-hmm. never taken seriously as an actress because of her looks.
1: Even, I feel like, the like the Kardashians, I know people have such mixed opinions on that, but they're very pretty people, and I feel like they're also very business women, like, they're, they when people say they're famous for being famous, it's like, well, they're doing a good job. It's a business, <laughs> one way or another. They're doing a damn good job at it, and it's like, but I think people question it because they look a certain way and they have money, and it's like, it's not. They can't do anything about it. They they're just trying to build like a cosmetic company, which is a billion dollar company. You're like, it's just a jealousy thing, and that's what's sad is that people get jealous over different body types and beauty standards that nobody can control like the pretty person can't everyone's pretty but I mean the body the person being put on display can't it's not it's nobody's fault and it's it's dumb
0: yeah that's um I always say that I like stand for body neutrality which is like you don't even like pay attention to bodies it's like it should be about your soul
1: (laughs) exactly it's but like why does neck down matter like I'm speaking, not the rest. Like, exactly. My thoughts aren't what I look like. Like, it, it has nothing to do with it. And I completely agree. Everything, I think, all things like that, like, that type of right should be completely neutralized. Even for guys, I think it's also something that isn't talked about a lot. And that's like one thing that guys can have, like, a bit of a spotlight on because it's a big deal for girls, but then there's also guys using it to their advantage. Like, I don't know it's a whole nother Mm -hmm. topic but
0: yeah like the Ed Sheeran hate I'm like I'm gonna be perfectly honest if Ed Sheeran looked like Harry Styles everyone would be all over him for
1: sure 100%
0: (laughs) okay so about a month after we held our interview Izzy started a blog called I'll do me thanks and so she just sent me an audio recording explaining why she started the blog what she does on it what she hopes to do with it in the future and I'm just going to insert that clip now
1: so I just created a blog, it's called All will Do Me, Thanks, and it's basically just a platform where I post fashion-related content. I had the idea in the works for a while, but I guess the inner critic in me thought people might not read it, they might not get it, they might not like it, but now really felt like the right time to put it out, and it's been doing pretty well, if I do say so myself. Um, anything from trends to my opinions on clothes can be read there. If I'm going to be honest, at first I made it with the vision of using it to help me apply to fashion school and just help me with the application process. But now more than ever, I so truly enjoy writing on it. It brings me so much joy and I've always enjoyed writing. And this just is mixing two of my favorite passions together. And the readers have really been enjoying it. Although it's still somewhat small, it's been a great way to connect with people and start a conversation about fashion and my interests and other people's loves for the industry. And in the future, I definitely hope to collaborate with small businesses, Black-owned businesses, and get their names out and just share with the world something so beautiful and something that needs to be shared. And I hope that my opinion on things makes everyone's reading a little bit more interesting. You can find it on izziegelman.wixsite.com slash i do me thanks slash about or its very own Instagram, which is at all.do.me.thanks. Be sure to check it out. We have new articles coming all the time, and I'm always looking for inspiration, so reach out to me.
0: Thank you so much for doing this.
1: No, thank you for having me.
0: Okay, that was my Normal People episode with Izzy Gelman. Um, Izzy, if you're listening, thank you so much for doing this, and to everyone else who listened, thank you so much for listening as well. I'm still kind of smoothing over this whole podcast and the types of people I'm going to interview, the kind of questions I'm going to ask, how it's all going to be framed. So this isn't the final product of normal people. So I basically just want to say thank you to whoever is sticking with me on this journey. I know there's some audio issues, some parts that need to be smoothed over, and I promise I am doing all of that. So just thank you for bearing with me on this journey. You can find Izzy's personal Instagram at izzy.gelman, and she already said her blog and her blog Instagram. I will have all of her social medias linked in the description of this episode, as well as all of my social medias. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye.